So, like, you 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 guys ever have crystals? You know like what I'm talking about? Crystal crystals? meth? No, like, like crystals, like the little burgers. Oh, oh well, yeah, yeah, crystal yeah, burger. Like yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, like, if you're listening and you don't know, it's like, like White maybe Castle. you have White Castle. Yeah, crystals, pretty much the same thing. Um, Except it's much, much worse. Yeah, it's much, yeah. much worse. So, <laughs> uh, I feel like there's definitely a reputation with crystals of like it's the food that you only eat if you're drunk or like if you have a hangover and you go and get crystals, something like that. And I really appreciate businesses that can lean into their own stereotypes and are like a little self-aware. Yeah, so it's like day, when uh, Taco Bell made the line of commercials that was, I got the late night munchies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a like reggae that. song about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went by Crystals the other day because I hate myself. And they officially have a burger now called The Hangover. Nice. <laughs> and uh i looked at it it's got like bacon and eggs and like all that sort of stuff so it's kind of like you know a breakfast sandwich but i I can't imagine getting like a (laughs) breakfast sandwich from crystal like they're i can't imagine embracing that identity enough like i get it with like taco bell because it's like funny like yeah stoners like us like it's cheap food like but embracing the like oh this is garbage food that you only eat when you're hungover (laughs) yeah well good for them good good for them yeah Hello, and welcome back to IRWYH, or I Really Wish You Hadn't. I'm here with my main man, Michael Bentley. Checkmate. And I'm here with my second main man, two main men, uh, Colin Moore, our super producer. Night to E4. (laughs) So, if you cannot tell, uh, today we're going to be talking about something chess related, but this is Michael's topic. So, Michael, who are we talking about today? Yeah, so we're talking about Bobby Fischer, uh, and if you don't know Bobby Fischer, uh, you're in for a treat. It's kind of a mixed bag of uh, I really wish you hadn't favorites. We got narcissism, we got public bigotry, and most importantly, we have the Cold War, which, you know, perfect little package for kind of our favorite things here. Um, no fishing, though? No fishing. He was not, I know he was uh, known as a fisher, but <laughs> wow, just just the chess. All right, so yeah. if you're going to unsubscribe from the podcast, just do it now. He's known for chess and racism, but we'll so get into that. So trigger warning, there is going to be some racisms, not by us, but we will be talking from how it, like you've made it up to me, like in the preamble to this, because I know nothing about Bobby Fischer. It's just like, I'm terrified of what Bobby Fischer is going to be like. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. there. Um, Great. Well, and I don't know, like, should we say now or later that there's like some voice lines that you wanted to play? play? No, I'm saying I that we aren't going to play. Yeah, okay. So I even wanted to play something that he said, and Colin specifically said, we can't play that on the podcast. I don't think we can do that. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. That's where yeah. we're at. So, so I'm gonna allude to some things, but I will, I will spotlight it. But that's well. Yeah. Even before this episode started, like Colin was talking about, like how come we've covered so many races this season? Because like there's a lot of stuff we didn't bring up with Howard Hughes and the USFL about like their racism. But obviously, like the other two topics that we've done, uh, the war on drugs, this one, both gonna be very racist. Gonna have a bunch of racisms. Uh, 
So I guess like if you can think of any good topics that don't relate directly to racism, we would love to cover them. We're tired. Yeah, of it's, it. it's, we're not doing it on purpose. It just we're it's... exhausted. <laughs> so anyway, with uh, all of that out of the way, let's hop into the story of Bobby Fisher. Woo. The story of Bobby Fisher starts as many great stories do with the aftermath of World War Two. Bobby Fisher's mother, Regina, was a Jewish immigrant who fled to Paris to avoid anti-Semitism under Stalin. Now, the problem is, this was in the 30s, and she fled to Paris. Um, mm. So she then had to flee to America because uh, Nazi occupation. A lot of fleeing. Yeah, yeah. So she's she's just kind of hopping around. Um, but it's important to note here that she was in Soviet Russia under Stalin and was a pretty ardent communist. Like, she was very much uh, a pro-Stalin uh, Jewish woman, but the problem is Stalin went from like being very pro-Jew to being very anti-Jew. Mm. Kind of, and again, I tried to do a little bit of this research, but we'll probably have to cover it in another episode. I think he was trying to like suck up to Hitler, like, oh no, 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 we'll we'll like get rid of the Jews and like we don't have to fight. Like, I, I look, this isn't the hill I'm gonna die on. All right, if you hate the Jews, we'll we'll, well I uh, think we'll compromise also, there. I think also there was the stereotype, especially like in Europe, with like the the big banks being Jewish and all that sort of stuff. And I think maybe that kind of played into it with the communist angle. We're gonna we're gonna get into that more um later. So let's let's actually just put a pin in this because we okay. I think this conversation will make more sense. We're getting ahead later. of ourselves. Yes, we are. I didn't mean to get into anti Semitism this early. It's oh. it's more it's more it's gonna come up a lot more later. So uh along the way uh, she had a, a daughter named Joan while she was in, I want to say Paris. Uh, but then when she got to America, she had her son, Bobby, Bobby Fisher. So Bobby and Joan were being raised by Regina as a single mother um, and had very little parental oversight. So I'm guessing they were half siblings, considering. Yes. Well, yeah, okay. point of contention, but I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah, they were half siblings. Okay. But they didn't know that. And they, they didn't really care, I don't think, right? Like, I mean, they were... Neither one of them had their father in their life, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. Right. So one day when Bobby was six, uh, Joan bought a chess set at a candy store. Uh, basically, like, they were selling chess sets along with candy, and it had, like, the full instructions. Yeah. And so they sat down and started playing. Joan quickly became bored of the game, whereas Bobby found himself fixed on it. Like, it's all he wanted to do all the time. Oh, yeah. And since his sister didn't want to play anymore, and his mother was busy between work, she was going to school, and also, I mean, she was a very hands-off parent, so she would never play with him either, Bobby found himself playing games against himself. Do you think we need to explain chess, really? Um, or, like, kind of get into it? Like pe People are watching I, The Queen's Gambit, you know? I mean, they're probably... Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. I love I haven't chess. either. I, you know what's funny is I even brought up that I was doing this topic, and somebody's like, oh, because of The Queen's Gambit. Yeah, because chess is really big right now. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. But, yeah, you're right. That's uh, We're being relevant. I will say, if you've never played chess, it is it is a super fun game. I love it. Don't get dissuaded by, like, the hoity-toitiness of it. It's actually really fun. It, it's not as upper class or, like, you don't have to be that smart to play chess. Yeah. Okay, so you know, you've got a you've got a six year old kid playing chess games against yourself, and yeah, you're a hands off mother, but at the same time you're like, Man, my kid's growing up to be a weirdo. I've got to intervene with this. <laughs> um so 
Regina wrote to her local newspaper uh, to put a personal ad to find Bobby someone to play chess with. And the newspaper read this, because, like, chess wasn't... This is the 30s, or we might be in the 40s by now. But, like, I mean, it's not, like, a big thing. Like, it's just a thing that some people do. So they're like, yeah. you, you want somebody to come play chess with your kid? They were like, we don't know what to do with this. We're not going to print this in the paper. But they did know of a chess club in town. And they were like, maybe you could ask there, but, like, we're not going to print this in the <laughs> newspaper. My kid's a little weird. I, I don't want him to be so weird. So I'm going to sign him up for the chess club. Hey, somebody come play chess with my six-year-old. <laughs> Nerds. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the stigma was on nerds at the time. Yeah. So anyway, they ended up attending a simultaneous exhibition that a chess master was putting on. And so what a simultaneous exhibition is, is like you'll have like 20 some games set up and the master will go around and like there will be one person sat at each one and the master will go from table to table and make a move and like just keep continuously cycling. Yeah. Making moves. And so he's playing 20 games at the same time. And so Bobby was playing at the age of seven. Yeah. And he managed to stay in the game for 15 minutes, which sounds like a short amount of time. But for a no. seven year old against a chess master, that was insane. Amazing. Yeah. So this caught the attention of a local chess expert who took Bobby under his wing and basically became his personal teacher over the next five years. And what's funny is, like, Bobby Fischer later in life, like, talks about this, and he's like, you know, looking back, that guy kind of sucked at chess. He's like, but he taught me. Like, he taught me everything he knew, which was more than I knew. He was that guy's Qui-Gon. Exactly. He was very cool, but he sucked at being a Jedi. Right, and he got stabbed in the chest by a lightsaber. Yeah. R.I.P. That's the thing you're not supposed to do. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's the first <laughs> rule, is don't get stabbed in the chest. So, yeah, this local chess master taught Bobby over the next five years. So that brings us to the age of 12. So now Bobby is attending high-level chess clubs in New York City because he grew up in Brooklyn. I don't know if I mentioned that. So he's he's in New York City, you know, which is kind of a, you know, he's in an urban environment where, you know, a lot of, there's enough people around that there's going to be people who are amazing at chess. Yeah. So he's far and away the youngest person at these clubs, but he's getting to play against these super high-level chess masters yeah. uh, who are teaching him a lot of things. And what's funny is they were saying, like, you know, there were other kids who were better than Bobby at the time. Where Bobby excelled was, he got better so much quicker than everybody else. Like, yeah. it was insane how good he would be, like, month to month. Because he, it's all he did. He, like, ate, slept, and breathed chess. Like, that's all he wanted to do. Yeah. Now, you may be wondering, where was Regina in all of this? Like, her 12-year-old's just attending chess clubs. Like, is she... But like I said... She is a very hands-off parent and pretty much just lets Bobby live his own life starting at the age of 12. Basically just says like, yeah, you're old enough now. You can figure out life. Just spread your wings and fly. <laughs> cool. Was he going to school throughout this time? Was that like it? Yeah, because public schools are a yeah. thing. So, so, so he's still going is. to school, um, but it's basically a I'm just here so I don't get fined kind of deal. Like while he's in school, all he wants to do is chess like so do you know like if he was making good grades or something like that i so i'll tell you this he drops out at 16 so the grades he was making doesn't really matter that's true but i will also say his insane chess ability and we're kind of skipping ahead here but like because he's doing so well in like chess tournaments and everything he's getting scholarships to these very prestigious like new york city schools yeah and so his mother keeps putting him in these schools like oh my god you have these opportunities like 
you could, you know, do these great things. And he's like, I want to play chess. Like, I don't want to be in this highly prestigious school. Yeah. But isn't that how it always is with, like, people who are, like, incredibly talented at something? It's like, you're obviously smart. Just, like, do what normal people do. You're going to succeed. And he's like, yeah. Well, and he even has a quote where, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, nobody learns anything at school. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so like I said, Bobby's now attending tournaments and not like junior tournaments. Like he's attending the big boy leagues um, because every time he goes into a junior league, he dominates. So there's no point in him being there anymore. They weren't ready. Yeah, no, really, they weren't like they're, they Bobby was often underestimated because of his age. Yeah. And then he would just go in and and annihilate people. Um, so in 1957, uh, the ratings come out for like so chess has a point system or basically they have like a rating system. You have a rating number um, that basically starts at zero and goes all the way up to infinity. I think. You know, a good, a really good score is somewhere like in the 2000s at this time. I think it's higher yeah. now um, for like what's amazing. But so um, is it a ranking? Is it a ranked system? It's so not a like ranking system. One? It's like a point system. Like you, mm. two people can have the same like point, number. Like number. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, okay. I don't, I don't know how it's calculated. So in 1957, Bobby Fischer's 14 years old, and he achieves a rank that puts him at the title of chess master which makes him the youngest chess master at this time. Like there's been younger ones since then, but like at this time, 14 year old chess master has never happened. Who? Okay. What, what is, there's gotta be like some international committee that presides over who and who F-I-D-E. is FIDE. FIDE. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's the important information to take away from this. This is why it's a learning podcast. The We're FIDE is like really a huge part of the story. I don't actually mention like I, I just refer to them as like the Chess Institute or whatever. But um, yeah, it's the FIDE. They they preside over and it's an international committee. So like you're you're ranked against people globally. Yeah, I know. I'm like doing just too many interjections so far you may need to cut some out but i'm like actually truly fascinated yeah do you actually like get anything when you become a master like do you like no you get to you get to put fm sorry what you get to put fm as your title for uh fide master oh really yep oh so he get you get the little numbers on the end of your name or the There's not candidate master, which is rating of 2200 FIDE master, which I assume is what we're talking about right now, which is yep. a rating of 2300. And then there's international master 2400 and then grandmaster, which is 2500 mm-hmm. and three favorable results in tournaments involving other grandmasters. Anyway, How yeah. good do I need to be to get a robe? <laughs> I don't think they do those. Good question. Oh. Master. <laughs> okay continue i i really thought when i when i wrote this that you were gonna when you were you were gonna make some kind of like um star wars joke where he's like you will not be you will have a seat on the council but you will not be given the title of master well see i may have but already made one star wars yeah, reference with the qui-gon <laughs> thing so i didn't want to i didn't want to sound too much like a nerd yeah yeah, yeah. it's all good yeah. <laughs> um so anyway that same year in 1957, where he, he's been promoted to master, uh, he's invited to play in the U.S. Championship, which is like the national, like, best of the best in the United States. Right. Um, Bobby Fischer, again, is 14 years old. It's wild. Everyone's expecting him to do, like, literally average, top of the bell curve. Like, so, so also I should explain, in chess, 
you can win, you can lose, or you can draw. And a draw is, you know, you, you, you play out enough moves that you realize no one is ever going to be able to get to mate. And you just kind of agree, like, okay, the game's over, we'll call it a draw. Um, so people were looking for Bobby to draw most of his matches. Yeah. Instead, Bobby goes in with a ferocity that he he wins most of his matches and ends up winning the entire U.S. tournament, uh, making yeah. him the U.S. chess master at the age of 14. The U.S. chess the master. Ch- he wins the tournament. Like, he is the U.S. chess master at this the age is... of 14. He is the best chess player in the world. Or, I'm sorry. He's the best chess player in the United States at the age of 14. So this is like the super, no, this is like, this is like the big game of chess in the U.S. This is the big game in the U.S. And that's, we'll get into it more later, but the U.S. chess is not as big in the U.S. as it is globally. Yeah, Um, we don't smart so good. Yeah. So, and, (laughs) and again, that's a huge part of the story. So, so at this point, Bobby Fischer has hit the peak that he can get in the United States. So let's talk about chess in Russia. I like to think of chess as the Russian football, right? Like, it's not necessarily part of curriculum in schools, but schools weirdly make it very, very important, right? Yeah. So a lot of funding is put into it. um, And and basically, Russians see chess as a sign of intelligence um, and put a lot of stock into their amazing chess players. Right. Uh, And Russia was dominating the world stage when it came to chess um, in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Like... They, it's a point of pride for them, you know, by saying, you know, we have the best chess players in the world, which means we have the smartest people. Yeah. So that being said, Bobby Fischer obviously knows this. So once he becomes the greatest player in the United States, he needs to level up to the big leagues, essentially. Um, So he travels to (laughs) Moscow because he wants to train with the best and brightest that they have. Oh, weird. Why weird? Because his mother was kicked out of Russia, wasn't she? She sure was. Oh, yeah, that's weird. But, but I mean, so so his mother, I guess, still had contacts in like, because this is the Soviet Union, right? I'm saying Russia, yeah. but it's the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. She had contacts in the Soviet embassy. And so she basically contacted them and they were, she was like, hey, my son is the uh, U.S. chess champion uh, and wants to come like to Russia to, you know, visit basically and so he was received with open arms like they brought him in they're like yeah like let us show you um red square and like let's and he's like no 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 i want i want to meet your masters like i want to play with your masters i want to train with your masters and they were like um (laughs) no that's not what we're doing that wasn't part of the agreement like you were gonna come visit like basically they wanted to do like a um Basically photo ops and say like, oh, look, U.S. chess master comes to visit Russia. Like, look, we're, we're palling around with like the U.S. chess master. Even your chess masters like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when he gets like, he gets pissed. And so that's a, that's a big thing with Bobby Fischer is he doesn't like being told no. Yeah. Um, he likes to have things his way. And so when they're like, no, we're not going to let you play our best chess players, he he calls them like communist pigs or something. Ooh. Like, I mean, he gets pissed. That's not what you do. Yeah, it's it's, it's not a good idea. So anyway, they, they let him end up playing like this guy who's like a couple steps down. Um, they're like, yeah, yeah, come on. Like, uh, we'll, we'll let you play this guy. And he's like, Ugh, fine. So he plays the Because again, he's like a teenager, right? So he's right. <laughs> he's moody. 
So he ends up playing that guy, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he loses most of his matches against him, which he also does not like. That's a big, that's a big yeah. no-no for Bobby Fischer, does not like to lose. Anyway, basically Bobby Fischer realizes that the only way he's going to play high-level chess against the Russians is he's going to have to get great on the international stage and play them in international tournaments. This is basically the plot of the movie Rocky IV, um, but with chess instead of boxing. Uh, Bobby Fischer drops out of school <laughs> at the age of 16, as we talked about, right. yeah. and teaches himself Russian so that he can start reading, like, Russian strategy. Like, he's got all these, like, Russian magazines about chess, because it's so big there. Like, there's so much more material yeah. that's written in Russian. So he teaches himself Russian so that he can be studying their material. Yeah. I mean... There's, like, interviews with, like, Bobby Fischer and stuff, right? Yeah, there's a Does lot of Does he them. seem... Because I'm, I'm kind of, like, drawing... I'm stereotyping what his personality's like. But does he seem, like, a little socially strange? Yes, I absolutely. Guess? Like, yeah. Yes. Um, because, like, it sounds... That level of obsession sounds like something that would be, like... You know, and I'm not saying this, like, in a negative way at all. It sounds like he'd be, like, somewhere on the spectrum of, yeah, like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he faked it really well. I guess, I mean, he's very narcissistic. Like, at one point he said, you know, I'm not a chess genius. I'm a genius that happens to play chess. Oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. He's that kind of guy. But at the same time, like, when people ask him, like, what he does for fun, he's like, chess. And they're like, yeah, but, like, when you're not playing chess, what are you doing? And he's like, reading about chess? Like, and it's not like, he's not, like, making jokes. He's like... What is yeah. what else is there like? Which really leads me to think that you're not a genius. Yeah. No, this is these are the worst kind of people. Don't you hate it when there's someone that's like amazing at something like the best in their field? Take um, Kanye West, Kanye West making beats. He's so good at it. No one can deny he's one of the best in the world. Great producer. But like, you probably don't need to be president. I mean, you don't know about everything because you're good at that one thing. And now you're making yourself look dumb by saying that you're a genius. Okay, man, if you keep saying stuff like that, you're going to cause beef with Kanye. And I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably would be good for be ratings. good for ratings. Yeah, it would right. be. Yeah. Kanye, come at us. Come at us. We'll make a we'll make a diss track. Everyone's on Kim's side now. Anyways, great musician. God, he's. Stop. That's... Say bad things. <laughs> Say bad things. Um, all right. So anyway, so so he's studying Russian and he's trying to get better at um, on the international stage. So in 1960, Bobby plays and loses to a Russian chess master named Boris Spassky in a international tournament. Oh, Boris Spassky certainly sounds Russian. Boris Spassky, yes, does sound Russian. He's also a name you should remember. Okay. Um, so despite losing to Boris one-on-one, -on -one, uh, the two of them overall tied in the tournament. Because you got to think, like, yeah, chess is kind of like a game of rock, paper, scissors, right? You might beat this guy, this guy might beat guy C, but guy C beats you, right? Like, it's, your strategy may counter another person, but you guys still might be equal in the overall. Once again interjection just because like i said i'm fascinated mm -hmm. do these tournaments i assume it's not a bracket style no so so generally that. it's round robin uh everyone plays everyone and then you tally the scores at the end okay yeah that makes sense and some some are just based on wins and some are based on a point system based on how many pieces you maintained at the end of the game so yeah i i don't know a ton about chess i've learned a lot like reading about this so 
take everything that I say with a grain of salt, but that's yeah. that's my understanding. So anyway, so so the two of them tie overall in the tournament, and you know, Boris consistently beats Bobby Fischer. But the question is, like, they're they're constantly like neck and neck in these point systems. So a lot of people are asking, like, you know, who's who's the best? Like, which one of these two guys is the best? Now, and I also want to remind everyone that this story is taking place in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, the Russians have been talking trash that they're better at chess, and so they're you know they've got the smarter people than America. They got the big brain. <laughs> um, and I assume America didn't care about chess until the Russians said that they were better. And then we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, we were saying, ah, who cares about chess? That's not a big deal. And then we get oh, okay. Bobby Fischer. Then we get Bobby Fischer. And then we're like, yeah, chess is a huge deal. And we're going <laughs> to kick your ass. Like, So it's one of those things where, like, it's not cool unless we're good at unless, it. <laughs> unless we have a, right. com- a competitor, right? Right. We, yeah. we downplay it until we can compete. Yeah. Um. So, so Bobby Fischer, again, a 19-year-old kid uh, is looking like he's going to make the Russians eat their words. And so they start getting nervous. So allegedly, I'm going to put big allegedly, uh, the Russians start fixing games against each other in tournaments. So basically, like I said, you can either win, lose, or tie. Bobby starts realizing that people are making stupid moves on purpose so that when Russians play each other, they tie rather than one beating the other. There was also allegations that, like I said, certain strategies counter other strategies that they were artificially boosting strategies that they knew could beat Bobby they like they were letting those guys win so that they would be ranked higher right so that they could play Bobby directly yeah now again this is all speculation and allegation Bobby said it in Sports Illustrated so like I'll put the words in his mouth but yeah so that's 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 what's being said um and because of this Bobby kind of he he does Bobby Fisher things and decides you know well if the game's rigged I'm not gonna play and so he steps away from the from the international chess world for a little while mm-hmm. and he focuses on writing and touring basically he starts doing those simultaneous exhibitions like he writes a book about chess you know he just kind of does his own thing in America for a little while did you ever pick that one up I know you talked about it. Pick what up? Bobby Fischer's book on chess. Oh no, I have no interest in reading it. It's all about strategy. Oh. I don't yeah. care about. I don't care about chess. I mean, look, feel for. And that's the thing is like this was a book written in the '60s. Chess strategy has changed considerably since then. Yeah. But Bobby Fischer talks chess or whatever the book's called is still like basically required reading for like any chess player. Yeah, chess players are insane now. I remember I was watching a tournament. I'm not someone that watches tournaments frequently, but I am someone that gets on YouTube and just goes deep down rabbit holes. And I was watching this tournament where like the match had ended, the guy got beat, and essentially the other guy goes to him and he's like, "Hey, you know back on like turn like whatever the turn was." And was like, "If you'd done that, you could have beaten me in 15 turns." And the guy like sees it and he realizes he's like, "I could have beaten you in 15 yeah. turns had I done that back on that one specific step." Like people who do <laughs> chess, like every move is it's insane. And that's the thing is like that's not uncommon. Like that happens so often in like these stories where, you know, something else that I read was like somebody walks up to Bobby and they're like, "Hey, um have you have you seen uh, Natasha Narova or whatever some some Russian girl um, chess player and he's like yeah and she was like rising in the ranks really quickly like she was kind of you know people were writing stuff about her he's like yeah she's good um, but I really I I think that you know 
whatever, say another Russian name that I'm going to make up, uh, is actually a little bit better. And, like, the dude was dumbfounded because he was like, how do you know this much about obscure, like, Russian female chess players? Like, because, you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, female chess was, you know, this is the 50s and 60s. Like, it was... Right. It wasn't as important as as the dominant male chess. See, biologically, um, they're not but, as strong as us, so they right. can't compete in the physical aspects of moving the pieces as well as we can. Exactly. And you gotta hit the timer. Right. Gotta hit the timer fast. Got it. Yeah. It's, right. it's all about reflexes. <laughs> um, and, and we will talk about the timer later. Where okay. we're, 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 there's a whole thing about the timer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to point out that's obviously all sarcasm. Yes. 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 Women. Yep. Women are. Good. I like them. Good. We like <laughs> them a lot. Are good. Yeah. I like them. I have them. <laughs> a wife. That's how much I like women. I married one. So. So, so in the 60s, like I said, he's he's writing books, he's touring. And this is also when Bobby got super into religion, which is surprising because before then he had been pretty anti-religion, pretty prominent atheist. Do you think someone told him what the bishop piece was supposed to represent and then he got really into it? Maybe. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> but one day he's listening to the radio and he, he tunes into this uh, radio evangelist uh, from the Church of God, which I think is probably the most generic church name ever. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, the Church of God was a doomsday cult. Uh, led by a, a televangelist, he was a radio evangelist turned telev- televangelist, uh, who claimed that he was the sole disciple of God on earth, and he was the only one that could hear God's message that the world was ending, right? American, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we have probably, I mean, this is an estimation, but probably about 50 concurrent sole representatives of God at a time that yeah. know when the world's going to end. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy to find. Well, and that's the thing is 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 uh, you, we don't have to get into details on it because I'm pretty sure most people can fill in the blanks, right? Guy says the world's going to end. Everyone, you know, yeah, it's a doomsday cult, yeah, right. So, but Bobby Fischer's super into it, and whenever he does like interviews and stuff, like people would be like, "Yeah, this guy seriously thinks like the end is nigh," right? And so I think that's partially why he drops out of the international chess scene for a long time is because like he's like, yeah, the world's ending. What 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 is chess? Well, not what does chess matter? Chess matters everything. But like the Russians kind of downplayed in his mind because he was like doomsday's coming. You know, I'm just happy that he has something to do other than just chess all day. Good for him. Yeah. Well, the thing that he has to do uh, besides chess is uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, because another thing the church believed in was British Israelism, uh, which pretty much says that European white people, like the British and the Germans, are actually the true descendants of the ten tribes of Israel. Which means that actually it's not the Jews that are God's chosen people, it's European whites. Yeah. Uh, I'm. We're just going to stay away from that with a ten foot pole. All of it. Well, it's important. It's important for the story because it's yeah. kind of where this whole thing starts. Um, he starts getting this into his head. And you may be thinking like, oh, yeah, didn't you mention that uh, Fisher's mother was Jewish? Like, isn't that a whole thing? Yeah, I did mention that. And another fun fact, there's a very, very good chance that Bobby Fisher's father was also Jewish. Uh, and we know that because of J. Edgar Hoover, and I would love to go into why, but we're going to have to save that for afternotes because that's a whole other thing. What's important right now is that Bobby Fischer is almost certainly 100% Jewish and a very outspoken anti-Semite. Ugh. 
And the Church of God is where he spends a lot of his time in the 60s, and he ends up giving a lot of his money to them, uh, a lot of his prize money, a lot of his money that he's making doing the tours and the book and everything. It's it's basically his whole life for, for a long time. See, that's the thing that I feel like is weird about Doomsday Cults, is I feel like I've, you know, I've learned a bit about some Doomsday Cults because they're neat and I listen to podcasts and stuff like that. Right. It seems like typically, like, they're either really not chill or they're very chill and i don't really get the not chill ones because like the world's gonna end what why do you why are you gonna spend time like hating jewish people if the world's about to end (laughs) it just seems like a waste of time i don't get it i that's a good point i mean but asking why about any of this is a waste of time because uh, okay because it's not logical right like yeah right and we're gonna get more into it later it, it never ends. It's an undercurrent that we're going to have to keep coming back to. I know we don't uh, want to, but we have to. So like I said, he's just touring the country writing chess books. But then when the 70s hit, Fisher starts getting serious again about taking the world title. Um, he starts playing in international tournaments again in the hopes of dethroning his old rival Boris Spassky, who was now the world chess champion. Because uh, once Bobby dropped out, like there was no question. Like Boris ended up taking the international title. So Bobby starts climbing the ranks and found himself ranked even higher than Spassky. Because remember, for for the world chess champion, it's a tournament. You have to, it is it is a bracket system, and then you have to beat the guy who has the title. You got to beat the best to be the best. So Bobby plays in the qualifying tournament uh, for, for who's going to be able to, to challenge uh, Spassky for the title. And Bobby wins, so he's now uh, eligible to challenge Spassky. Uh, now, as I've mentioned, uh, Bobby Fischer was what some would call a weirdo. Uh, the dude grew up playing chess with old dudes when he was lucky and by himself when he wasn't. Uh, Bobby was a narcissist who hated attention, but this was basically a spotlight on him, right? right. This is an American who's going to go challenge the Russians for the world chess title. Now, this takes place in 1972. Yeah. There has not been a non-Soviet in the world chess finals in 24 years. The last time that... Uh, it's It's been two Soviets every single time. Yeah. And this is not just a non-Soviet. This is an American in the middle of the Cold War. Like, this is huge. So they don't... They don't have like a like a national league where like here's our best Russian and they go because I would assume like international leagues that's no 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 it's not it's not like that where like everyone puts a guy up like it's yeah. you qualify in international tournaments okay yeah so the Russians generally dominated those tournaments like I said they were able to fix games by because whenever they would play each other in those tournaments they could like you know tie instead of win or lose. Well, see, here's the thing. Chess is a game of strategy. Can you really hold it against them to strategize a bit? So what's funny thing? is we're going to get into that also. Uh, okay, you know, strategizing true. based on the overall <laughs> game rather than game to game. Uh, that comes up later. And I agree with you, and so does the FIDE, which we will talk about. <laughs> so realizing how important this game is, Bobby Fischer kind of like gets his ego stroked and, you know, gets a big head. So Bobby starts to do this thing that he is known for, and he starts demanding things. And no one was ever sure if Bobby demanded things to, like, get in people's heads, or if it was just him being crazy and, like, needing certain weird things. Uh, I have my opinion of which one it was. Uh, I think he was nuts, but I'll let you form your own opinion. 
So he starts saying that he's not going to play the games unless they double the prize pool. Hmm. And so the FID is like, we, we don't, we literally don't have the money for that. Like, you, could you just come play like as everyone else has done? And news of this gets out and people start to think it might not happen. And so some British millionaire agrees to donate the money. He's like, I, I need to see this. Like, I will double the prize pool. <laughs> the, the biggest pay-per-view ever paid. Yeah. Do you think that he actually wouldn't have gone through with it? With his obsession with chess and like also his obsession to win, do you think that he actually wouldn't have played if they hadn't increased the prize pool? Uh, I will say let the story speak for itself. Okay, great. So I know I said before that this was pretty much the plot of Rocky Four, but with chess instead of boxing. And I meant that. Bobby does a whole training montage leading up to the match. And I don't mean like intellectually, I mean physically, like... Uh, Bobby starts to believe, and I don't think that he's wrong about this, but he thinks that like a strong body makes a strong mind. So he starts like physically conditioning, like he starts swimming laps and actually like boxing um, to get ready for this. Um, I don't know. Boxing, maybe not the best call. Exactly. I don't think like blows to the head are really what you need right now. I was with you. I'm like the cardio, you know, that does, you Mm -hmm. know, help, help mental functions. But But um, apparently he was like ripped going into this chess match. Nice. So... So anyway, so the championship is taking place in Iceland, and it was a struggle to get Bobby to go. Like I said before, he's making demands in what some were thinking was an attempt to get the whole thing called off. Like, he's like, if I can just make enough demands, I don't have to go through with this. Because again, he's a very, I don't want to say shy, because he's a weird blend of narcissism and like, he hated attention. So like, I don't know, I don't think he liked the spotlight being on him, not on his own terms. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me think of, I don't know if this is a joke or if it's true, and I believe that it was Ozzy Osbourne that before like every show, like if he didn't have like a glass of brown M&Ms, this might be a joke, but like yeah. the thing is like if he didn't have a glass of brown M&Ms, like he wouldn't play. And the thing yeah. with brown M&Ms is you can't just buy brown M&Ms, yeah. you have to like- You have to yeah. pick them all out. <laughs> out yeah, yeah I, and that's that's become the joke is like, I need I need- this exact thing. And it wasn't necessarily that. It wasn't those kind of weird outlandish demands. It was like he had to be in control. Like, we'll get into it later, but like he wants to change the rules of the tournament and stuff. And they're like, no, like we're not going to do that. And he's like, but it just makes more sense this way. And they're like, yeah, but you can't just decide that. Like <laughs> this has already been decided on and, and and it'll get into it more later. But like, well, yeah. I mean, it, it fits the profile, the antisocial, mm-hmm. like, the controlling behavior. He likes things on his terms. He wants things yeah. exactly the way that he wants them. And if he doesn't get it, he gets upset. So Bobby eventually flies to Iceland. Uh, but when game one starts, it's only Spassky sitting at the chess table. Bobby is nowhere to be found. The way chess works is, you know, a, a player will make a move and then hit a timer. And so you'll have like maybe an hour um, of time to to think and make moves. So Spassky makes his move and hits the timer, and it, and it starts. That's Bobby's time. He has that much time to get there. Wow. So five minutes pass, no Bobby Fisher. It gets up to nine minutes, and there's there's no Bobby Fisher. And then he finally walks in the room. Nine minutes gone by, off his time, right? A huge amount of time wasted. Bobby proceeds to play a horrible game of chess and loses to Spassky. Now, I'll mention again, Bobby has never beaten Spassky in a game of chess. He has always lost 1v1 against him. The only reason that they're ranked the same is because 
of of points and him playing other games. 1v1, right. he's never won a game. But luckily for Fisher and TV networks in particular, this tournament was going to be best of 24. So this is this is a long process. Wow. So losing one game, not that big of a deal. Uh, and you may be thinking TV networks, yeah, right, come on. Like 72, there's no way they're they're televising this and that people are actually interested in chess. But again, this is America versus Russia in the middle of the Cold War. Uh, and this is just three years after the space race. Like, people wanted more America v. Russia content, you know? Yeah. Also, you just have to put on whatever you can to make people forget about Vietnam. Exactly. <laughs> so, and this thing was being broadcast live in Times Square. Like, that's how big of a deal this was. Wow. Yeah. Like, people were, you know, there's that, that, like, cliche image of, like, people watching it outside of, like, a window where they're, like, advertising televisions. Right. And as such, the entire thing uh, becomes one of the most talked about events at the time. And again, Bobby doesn't handle attention well and claims that the cameras in the room are throwing him off. Like, that's the reason I lost is because you guys are filming me like I can't think. And he's like, the cameras are making this weird humming sound like I can't even hear my own thoughts. And everyone's like, I don't hear that. Do you hear anything? They're like, no, I have no idea what he's talking about. Oh. Um, so again, to your point of like being on the spectrum, like that makes you ultra sensitive to that kind of thing. So I don't know. Could it be, could it be that he actually did hear something or was it psychosomatic? I don't know. Yeah. And I guess like in your research, like did you ever see where someone did like a psychological no. profile of him after? Or, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, everything would be done like just observing, right? He did not You're trust right. doctors at all. Yeah. And we'll get into that more later, but he he would never have sat down for a psychiatric evaluation. And even if they told him something, he would say that they were lying or part of the Jewish cabal or something. Like he would not trust anything that anybody told him. Right. So the Chess Federation tried to make accommodations for Fisher by hiding the cameras from sight. Like basically they, they like hid one in like a sign and like put one behind a bush and like everything. Um, but that wasn't <laughs> enough for Bobby Fisher. Uh, in protest of being filmed, Bobby doesn't show up to the second match at all and threatens to forfeit the entire championship. Uh, he even buys a plane ticket back to the United States and says like, look, I'm out of here. If you guys don't, if like we're, we're going to have to make some arrangements otherwise i'm out tomorrow and it literally takes a call from henry kissinger the national security advisor under the nixon administration hey shout out to nixon hey nixon kissinger calls bobby and gives him a pep talk he's like look you got to go out there for every american you can't back down from the russians like if you do this we are going to be embarrassed on the national stage like literally he gets a call from the national security advisor telling him he he cannot back down from this <laughs> so meanwhile, the Chess Federation is deciding what to do about Bobby's demand to change the venue from this big atrium with... Oh, there's also a live audience. I don't know if I mentioned that. Well, it'd be weird if there was a dead audience. <laughs> <laughs> Got him! Woo! Woo! All right. Uh, good one. Thanks. So Bobby wants to move to a smaller venue without cameras. And so the Chess Federation decides that they will move to a second venue if if a disturbance can be found in the main venue. Like if, you know, something happens, somebody gets out of hand, somebody's like jeering or something. They're like, OK, we'll, we'll have a secondary lo location that we have the option to move to should there be a reasonable disturbance within the main atrium. And I guess the Chess Federation forgot what it was like to deal with Americans based on the fact that we hadn't really had anybody 
in there because what happens is uh, Bobby Fisher's lawyer grabs a fire axe from the wall and says, oh, and this isn't a quote. This is, I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close. He says, oh, you want a disturbance? I'll give you a disturbance. I'll just go chop up the chessboard. What's the worst that you can do for destruction of property? Throw me in jail for a night? <laughs> okay. And after that, the Chess Federation agreed to move the venue. <laughs> and after that, the Chess Federation agreed, no more Americans. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's the thing. Uh, they called Spassky to tell him that they were moving it, and Spassky was just like, look, that's fine. Like, I don't care. Like, I just want to play chess. Whatever it takes to get this moving, let's do it. And Spassky is a very even-headed and, like, gentlemanly person. Like, he's the opposite of Fisher, and, like, just, I'm rooting for the communists right now. It just makes Bobby Fischer look like a baby. Like, he, the way he handles it versus the way that Bobby handles it. Anyway. Right. Uh, the only time that Spassky ever... Because that's the thing, is this is Spassky's choice. He could say, no, this, is, this wasn't what was agreed to, and I'm not going to do it. So, the only time he leverages that is there was a time that Bobby was screaming at a chess official because he could see the camera. And Spassky was like, if you don't stop like treating these people like crap, I will I will exercise my right to move this back to the main atrium. And so then Bobby sat down and shut up. And like, I don't Spassky's know. Spassky's like, the hero. He yeah. is. He's just like, he's so like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's important to point out too, that like when Bobby makes these demands, all Spassky would have to say is no. And then Spassky gets the prize money, doesn't exactly. he? Exactly. Yeah. Which and has it's, been doubled. it's been doubled. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's in. Oh, and that's the other thing is they both get guaranteed money. Like even the loser, I think, gets like 30% of the prize pool. Yeah. So anyway, the games continued uh, again. Spassky's leading to nothing um, uh, in, a, in the event of a tie. You get half a point. Each person gets half a point. But so Spassky won the first game. Bobby didn't show to the second. So he, he's leading 2-0. Um, and Bobby has still never beaten Spassky in a game of chess. And he's got to win. You have to win 13 12. to win. Well, 12 and a half. If you get 12 and a half, you win the tournament. Oh, that's right. Because the half point. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So anyway, after getting conditions to exactly what he needed, Bobby Fisher starts chessing like no one had ever chessed before. Uh, the next 18 games end in either a draw or a Fisher win. Spassky doesn't win anything for the next 18 games. Uh, Bobby is wow. playing so well in these games that the organizers brought in a chemist and an electrical engineer to inspect the room. They assumed that Bobby had organized to play in this like smaller venue back room because they had somehow rigged it for a way for him to cheat. They literally took apart the furniture in the room and x-rayed all of it. Uh, and the chemist was there to test the air for mind-altering chemicals. That's how good Bobby was playing, was it was more likely that there was LSD in the air than that Bobby was this good. Well, it's because he'd been pumping iron, man. Yeah, that's what it was, is he was ripped. Uh, he was intimidating. It was like that scene right. from SpongeBob where he's like, just picture him in his underwear. And then he's like, oh no, he's hot. <laughs> um Anyway, Great. so so the investigation concluded finding only two dead flies in the in the lights, and newspapers began joking that the organizers were ordering dissection of the flies. <laughs> so going into game twenty one, the score was Spassky's eight and a half to Fisher's eleven and a half. Right. Uh, Spassky was going to have to clean sweep the rest of the tournaments to maintain his title. Right. Because even a tie would put him at twelve, which would mean the best he could do was tie uh, for the tournament. In order to win, he has to win every game. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I'm guessing this game's significant because if game's- he loses, then he's out. Right. Yeah. Um, so game 21, uh, what, what happened was they played for a long time, uh, but at move 40, they decided to conclude for the day and continue the following morning. Uh, basically, they gave the both, both players the opportunity to go home, study the board, figure out what they were going to do. However, this game would never be resumed as Spassky concluded there was no way for him to win the win or even draw the match. And as such, he phoned the commissioner to inform him that Bobby Fischer would be the new world chess champion. The Chess Federation president presented Fisher with his winnings check and handed out his hand for a handshake, to which Bobby Fisher opened the check to make sure that all of the finances were in order. Then he shook the president's hand. (laughs) (sighs) Man, that's just mm, not classy. Not classy, I'll but say But again, that. I don't know if it was like a slight or like... I Again, I think he just does not get social cues at all. Yeah. So anyway, people would ask him like, okay, now you're literally the best chess player in the world. What what are you going to do now? And he was like, I don't know. He was 29. I'm going to Disney World? Well, no. Like, I mean, I don't even know that he would have enjoyed Disney World. Actually, I don't know. Him and Walt Disney would have gotten along, I think, for certain reasons. No, no. Walt Disney. No, that's a that's an internet rumor. Anyway, um, <laughs> do not on. defame Walt Disney because I looked at doing him as a topic, and it there's a lot of internet rumors about Walt Disney. He actually seemed like he was a pretty cool guy. A lot of Pixar. Take Cayman's word. Yeah. So Bobby did some interviews after this and appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but at this point, he mostly just stayed out of the spotlight. But again, he's the world chess champion. So three years later, in 1975, he was called on to defend his title. There was a Soviet chess grandmaster named Anatoly Karpov, who had just won the international tournament and was challenging him for the world chess champion title. So in true Bobby Fischer fashion, Bobby had a list of demands. Most importantly, he demanded that the rules of the championship be changed. Like I said, he's right. He, he, he gets too big for his britches. He decided that the champion should be decided who got to 10 wins first and not count draws. Uh, his reasoning was that in the current rule set, if you got an early lead, you could just go for draws rather than wins. Like you could kind of stop trying. Right. Which I think would still be strategic. Exactly. It's it's playing the long game rather than thinking of it game to game. It just depends on what you think is important. To him, each individual game was the most important thing, whereas, you know, in the, in this fashion, the tournament is part of the game. Does Karpov go along with it? Well, the, the Chess Federation said, no, that's not how this works. Like... The champion doesn't determine the rules of the game. Like we have, a, we have bylaws, and if we don't listen right. to the bylaws, what are we? So either play or don't. Like we don't have to. Like no. Like these are the rules. Yeah. To which Bobby Fischer said, "Fine. I guess I resign as world chess champion." And Anatoly Karpov took the title without a game being played. So you were asking earlier, do you think that Bobby Fischer would go through with actually not showing up to the tournament? Yes, I absolutely do think so because he did it. What a what a strange man. I again, I I don't I can't say that for a fact because a lot of people reason that Bobby did this because he didn't want to risk losing and if he walks away, he there's, there's the always still that doubt. There's the question right. of who who was better. And yeah. He will he will continue to say that he's the best chess player in the world and you can't prove him wrong. Yeah. The first time with Boris like he actually had He to prove he had it. something to prove. Now he has nothing to prove. Right. 
So for the next 20 years, nobody really heard from Bobby Fischer. He was invited to MIT at one point to play against a chess computer they had written, and he won every game. He never lost to the chess computer. Right. He really just kind of faded into obscurity. And like I said previously, he had spent a lot of time in the Church of God, uh, but he ends up breaking away after one too many times the apocalyptic prediction kind of came and went without anything happening. Right. Uh, he called, He ends up calling it satanic and like going completely against it. Like, I think he goes back to being an atheist. Like, I don't know. He's, it was a fad for him. Yeah. But what's crazy is, so he got a ton of money for the world championship and gave like a ton of it to the church. Like he had poured money into it and then he ends up just walking away. But what does not stop when he leaves the church is anti-Semitism. Uh, Fischer finds an idol in Adolf Hitler and studies Mein Kampf and something called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. How did his mom, well, I guess maybe like, how old is his mom? It's crazy. So he, they don't speak like she gets interviewed and like, cause she's huge against the war in Vietnam. Like she's a big, like uh protester. Yeah. And so when newspapers like see her, they're like, Oh, you're Bobby Fisher's mom. Like, what do you think about what's going on with Bobby? And she's like, Oh, I, I have no idea what's going on with Bobby. She's like, he's got like a chess thing. I think she's like, we don't talk. <laughs> uh, she's like, you probably know more about Bobby than I do. God. Well, just the, that's, mm. it's, it's one, obviously it's disgusting to like idolize that stuff, but, then, like, to another point, it's just so sad when it's like, you are Jewish, your mother was Jewish, your mother escaped, like, Russia, she escaped, like, the persecution from the Nazis, and now you're idolizing the Nazis. And yeah. And I gotta think that it's a part of just his whole obsession with chess and, like, how obsessive and controlling his behavior is that maybe he's not thinking through it much, or maybe he doesn't have the sympathy to think through it. I don't know. That's weird. It's sad. Yeah, it is. And it's it's only getting worse. But one thing I wanted to point out, something I learned here, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is a fake, like, textbook, I want to say, of how the Jews are going to take over the world. Like, basically, it was written... It was written as, like, a look what they're trying to do. Um, and, and he was very open about this in public interviews. Like, he openly would state that the Holocaust never happened. And, like, basically, that's why he kind of fades into obscurity, is, like, nobody wants to talk to a has-been chess guy who all, only wants to talk about anti-Semitism. Fortunately for Bobby, though, his weird hatred of his own race didn't scare off 17-year-old Hungarian chess prodigy named Zita Radchen... Radchenai... <laughs> named Zita. Her name's Zita. I want you to send that to me. You you pronounce this. I'm gonna I'm gonna nail it. First try. Yeah, you think so? Go for All it. Alright, here it is. Moving on. Yep. That's what I thought. <laughs> like there's a those, bunch of there's a bunch those... of letters back to back that should not go together. No, that is a <laughs> very strange. I've never seen a C and a J next to each other, and I don't know what sound that's supposed yep. to be. So moving on. Okay. Yep. Her name's Zeta. And what's the nationality? Hungarian, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Zeta admired Fisher and began corresponding with him by mail in 1989. And eventually, Fisher invited her to join him in Los Angeles. Now, again, she's 17. He's in his 50s. What was the nature of this relationship? Unclear. Uh, Zeta claims there was nothing sexual about it, while Bobby referred to Zeta as his fiancée. 
But Bobby's insane, so who knows if all that was just something that he was fantasizing about and just started talking about it openly as if it was really happening, and it wasn't. Who knows? Can't say for sure. So they were not engaged. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, they could both be telling the truth. They could have, like, been engaged at some point and not had a sexual relationship. Like, I feel like, especially coming from someone who's, or at one point, was hyper-religious. Like, that's not unbelievable. Yeah. But what Zeta does do is convince Bobby to return to the world of chess after 20 years of absence. And so Bobby begins negotiation to play Boris Spassky in a rematch of their 1972 World Chess Championship for $5 million. Okay, so whereas the original one was Rocky IV, uh, or let's say Bobby IV, this is Bobby Balboa. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, nice. Yep. <laughs> I love the Rocky movies. Yes. So $5 million is an insane amount of money for a chess tournament. Like, that's that's unheard of. But the rematch was to be played in Yugoslavia, which was under UN sanctions at the time. And because of this, the United States sent Bobby Fischer a formal cease and desist, threatening jail time if he were to play in the match. Hmm. To which Bobby held up the letter at a press conference and spat on it. He was like, this is what I think of your cease and desist. I'm not surprised. And at the same press conference, this isn't funny, but it's. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And at the same press conference, Bobby stated that he hates being called anti-Semitic because Arabs are also Semites and he doesn't hate Arabs. He only hates Jews. Okay. That's a weird, that's a weird line to draw. Yeah, that's, that's the hill he wants to die on. I mean, I'm glad that he doesn't hate Arabs, but. Who cares? Anyway. <laughs> and and it's so weird. He's at, a ch- he's at a chess press conference. It's like anytime he does anything, he can't help but bring up, hey, did you know that I hate the Jews? <laughs> so anyway. I mean, did he not play against like plenty of Jewish chess players? Yeah, probably. I would I would say he probably had to at some point. Did Bobby Fischer have friends? No. Okay. That makes sense as well. So, yeah, I mean, he he's a recluse and it, it only gets worse as he gets further along in age. And, and and that's something that I didn't put in my notes. But like at one point he visits his sister, Joan, the one that taught him chess. And like he's like, yeah, I'll just come visit. And like she, they interviewed her and she was like, yeah, he had to leave because like he wouldn't stop talking to our kids about anti-Semitism. And like we kept asking him to stop and he wouldn't. So like, yeah, we had to we had to kick him out. And that that happens time and time again, where like he he starts talking to people and then his insanity pushes them away. Anyway, the tournament between Boris Spassky and Bobby Fischer is underway. And these are two people who haven't been in their primes for 20 years. Like they're both amazing chess players. But compared to like the contemporaries of the chess world, like they're it's it's not a good game. Like, yeah, well, they haven't been working out. You know. Exactly. He didn't he didn't get in great physical shape for this one. You gotta have all those muscles to move those chess pieces. Right. And so anyway, Bobby ends up winning, and after directly after the matches, the United States issued a warrant for Bobby Fisher's arrest. He was facing ten years in prison and a forfeiture of all of his prize money. Bobby Fisher is the bad boy of the chess world. He basically is. <laughs> Which is a world that you do not want to be a bad boy of. Yeah. 
Well, it's also not hard to be the bad boy of the chess world. That's fair. Wow. You say that. I'm not super into chess. There could be bad boys of the chess world now. That's we true. just were not involved. We need to get invested. Yeah. I'm gonna start gonna start learning about chess. Uh, there's a good Twitch channel called twitch.tv slash chess. Oh. I know, yeah, hard to remember. Uh and they have tournaments and stuff on there all the time. Do they have a lot of like viewers on it? Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty, it's pretty good. And I mean, like they have like grandmasters and er you'll see GMs and IMs. International master is the one right below that. Um, okay. Like playing all, right. all the time. This is a chess podcast now. Yeah. This no, is how we're we getting can't popular. do that because in my research, I found out there's the chess podcast world is actually very wide. Uh, oh, okay. So, I listen to a lot saturated. of. Huh? I said it's saturated. 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 Yeah. I wouldn't call it saturated, but it's, we, we would not be good at it. Like I tried to listen <laughs> to somebody like analyzing the games of like a Bobby Fisher game. And I was just like, I don't even know half of these words. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so Bobby Fisher's now a uh, fugitive of the law. And so he can't return to the United States. So as a result, Bobby fled to Hungary to live with Zeta. And over the next few years, Bobby would move countries to avoid extradition to the United States. Now, did the U.S. care enough to be looking for Bobby Fischer? Probably not. That was until September 11th, 2001. Bobby was living in the Philippines at the time, and after the attacks, he did a radio interview. And I wanted to play the audio from this radio interview, but our producer told me that it was too explicitly anti-Semitic. So okay. I'm going to read one part that isn't anti-Semitic, but it kind of gives you an idea of, of, of the things that he was saying. Uh, and I want to put giant quotation marks right here. Right. This is me reading a quote. Quote, The United States is based on lies. It is based on theft. Look at all that I've done for the United States. Nobody has single-handedly done more for the U.S. than me. I really believe this. You know, when I won the world championship in 1972, the United States had an image of, you know, a football country, a baseball country. But nobody thought of it as an intellectual country. I turned that all around single-handedly, end quote. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff about how uh, he he says... Uh, a lot, a lot of bad things about President Bush and the United States, but not, not like the the normal kind of bad things that you could maybe get away with, like, like, like really bad stuff. Like, you can look up the yeah. if if you want to know, look it up it's, on your own time. It, yeah, it's I, I don't want to go into it, but it's it's very racist and very anti-American. He he applauds nine eleven, like he's like this is this is what the U.S. deserves. Uh, um, I want to stuff him in a trash can. So anyway, um, that's Bobby Fischer, where, where, where we're at in 2001. So after this, the United States revokes his passport, causing him to be arrested in Japan in July of 2004, which I don't know how he had an active passport up to this point. Like, how do you not immediately revoke the passport of a U.S. fugitive? But wait, so, but I mean, he, he already like served the sentence for that thing, right? So that was for over. what? No, the, the no, no, thing. he was sentenced, but he, I'm sorry, he wasn't sentenced, he was charged. He, like, he's been hopping countries, he's never been caught. Oh, so he, oh, okay. He's in Up the Philippines. Up to 2001. Up to 2001. He was in the Philippines in 2001, and then in 2004, he was arrested in Japan. Dog the bounty hunter. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for sure. It's the right timeline, it could have happened. I'm not sure that Dog can operate internationally, can he? Yeah, that's how he got famous uh, for... Uh, abducting someone in Mexico and bringing them back. 
Oh, who did he capture in Mexico? Dahmer, I think. Dahmer? I think, yeah. I think Jeffrey it was... Dahmer. No, 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 no. Not Dahmer. I'll look it up. You guys continue. Okay. But this is definitely Whatever. a thing, and we can just no. Well, let's it. let's save it for our Dog the Bounty Hunter episode. So anyway, Bobby Fischer's just been arrested in Japan, um, and he was being held in a detention center awaiting extradition to the United States. Meanwhile, a coalition of people were seeking to free Bobby from captivity, including Boris Spassky, who personally wrote to President Bush asking for mercy, and if Bush were to refuse, he asked to be thrown in the same cell as Bobby Fischer and for them to be given a chessboard. Listen, dude, all I've learned from this episode of the podcast is that I kind of like Boris Spatsky. He's, he he's seems a, like a he's cool a solid dude. guy. Yeah, he seems really solid. Um, also, the thing that I think is interesting is that he was playing in Japan or I, I, like he was hiding out in Japan. And I assume like, you know, he's still like at least interested in chess. Uh, Japan has their own kind of chess. and I don't remember the name of it right now. But I wonder if he... No, not Mahjong. It's 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 very, very similar to chess, uh, except with like a few weird rule changes. So I wonder if he ever got into like the variants of chess. The only Probably difference is it's, it's an emperor instead of a king. It's a shogun. <laughs> no. It's God. a shogun and samurais instead of pawns. <laughs> that would actually be a cool chess set. No, samurais instead of knights. That's a good point. Ninjas instead of pawns. I don't nice. know enough of... Oh my god. There's not ninjas. I, I don't even think there's ninjas in Japan. I don't think that's Japanese. It would Ninjas would be the pawns because ninjas were generally like peasants who would just like kill people every now and then. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's like China. No. Anyway. <laughs> It's not. It's Japan. But we'll, we'll, we'll okay, move on. God. This is not, this is we're going to have to so much that out. So much sure shoguns yeah. are China. <laughs> shoguns? No, that's definitely Japan. That's Japan. Shoguns are Japan. Uh, dynasties was China. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so uh, anyway, yeah, there's this whole coalition trying to get freedom for Bobby Fischer. Basically, the issue was he needed a valid passport. He needed someone that would accept him and basically vouch for him for him to be able to leave Japan. Um, and if nobody did, they were just going to send him to the United States to be tried. So he was basically, he just needed a country to give him a valid passport. Right. And eventually, Fisher got that passport from the place where his global stardom began, Iceland. Hmm. Uh, Iceland believed that it was the 1972 World Chess Championship that made them a global tourist destination. And having Fisher in the country could only be a plus, right? I guess they never really saw what he'd been up to in the last 30 years. I think they just didn't read that much into it. They probably didn't. They were probably just like, <laughs> ah, yeah, like, yeah, he's a he's an Icelandic sensation. So they brought him back. Uh, so when he landed in Iceland, a crowd of reporters were there to, like, interview him. They're like, oh, you know, like, we want to talk to the great Bobby Fischer. But he literally ran from them and got into a car that had been there to pick him up. Like, he ran from the press. And later on, he gave a formal press conference because, again, Bobby Fischer doesn't mind speaking publicly, but he wants to do it on his terms. So he scheduled this press conference and had a bunch of Icelandic reporters come in. The problem is he did the classic Fischer routine and he started just spouting off about anti-Semitic thoughts. Uh, um, and the thing is, Iceland didn't really take great to that. That wasn't really their thing. Yeah. So during the interview, Bobby actually recognized one of the reporters, like he recognized his name and he was like, wait a minute, are you so-and-so's son? 
this other Icelandic reporter, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, my dad, like, interviews you back in the day. And he was like, yeah, he wrote a lot of bad things about me. Like, your dad's an idiot. Like, he he, he doesn't know a genius when he sees one and blah, blah, blah. God. So the, the reporter gets pissed and stands up, and I... I love his response. He goes, you know what? My dad wrote that you were crazy and you've done nothing today to prove him wrong. Like <laughs> if my dad was right about you, you're a, you're a nut job. And so he leaves. Also, I feel like Iceland is not the kind of place that you can go. And I've I, full disclaimer. I've never been to Iceland, but I looked this up because I thought that it was true. And it is uh, the largest city in Iceland. It's called Reykjavik. That's where he lived. Only. Oh, uh, it had a pop. It today has a population of one hundred thirty thousand, which that's a lot of people. But also, like you can't, like it's you can't be making enemies in that small of a mm -hmm. city. It's like you're not gonna find a niche of people that are still like cool with you. And that's what's crazy is like there's there's interview there's a there's a great HBO documentary called uh, Bobby Fischer Against the World. Mm. And there's this guy who was like, yeah, I really wanted to be friends with Bobby Fischer. Like we went out to lunch a couple times. He's like, but. God, he just wouldn't stop talking about the Jews, and I was not into it. And I kept asking him if we could talk about something else, and he would get off of it for about three sentences, and then it would be back to it. He's like, so I just basically ghosted him, like I didn't want to talk to him anymore. He's like, but then I'll see him out, and I'll just like try to pretend like I don't see him. Like it was one of those, like, maybe he won't notice me kind of deals. And so Iceland is where he spends the next four years uh, he starts to get really sick, and again, he does not trust doctors, so it takes him a long time to actually get diagnosed with uh, kidney issues, and he doesn't he doesn't opt to get the surgery to fix it. So Bobby Fischer dies of kidney failure on January 17th, 2008. Okay, so he is dead. He is um, dead. How old was he when he died? I mean, he had to, he had to be up there. Uh, I think he was in his 60s. 60s. Yeah, because he was born in the 30s. I mean, he's died in 2008. He was born in 43, so he would have been 65. Okay. The thing is, if there's anything in your life, especially, like, if it's something as bad as anti-Semitism, but just really anything that if you're in a conversation with someone and you can't stay off the topic for more than three sentences, you might want to have a little, like, sit down with yourself and look in the mirror and like reevaluate what you care about because that's also like it's it's not well we've talked about it many times it's not normal like yeah. socially like that's a very weird thing it's weird that your brain can't get off of that yeah so yeah i've got just a short i i don't even know that you'd call it an afternote let's call it an epilogue uh kind of deal and i just want to go back to talk about uh bobby fisher's parentage right so his mother, Regina, was diagnosed with paranoia in 1943, which I know paranoia isn't a disease or like a mental disorder, but it's kind right. of a symptom. But again, this is 1943. Well, also, they use they use blanket terms. Exactly. For things so that she, are today. she had paranoia, but uh, she was also highly educated, both as a teacher and a physician, I'm pretty sure. Like she had a lot of education and was able to speak hmm. six languages like she was incredibly intelligent. Wow. Now. Remember, after Bobby became the U.S. chess champion, he traveled to Moscow to learn more about chess. Uh, that caught the attention of friend of the show, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, who started investigating the Fishers. Because remember, his mother Regina was also an ex-Soviet uh, with a rebellious streak who, you know, right. went against the Vietnam War and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and his father, 
could have been anybody, really. Like, he was never in the picture. You can't prove he wasn't a communist. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. They can prove that he was one. Uh, so oh. Hoover started digging in to find out if his father had any Soviet connections. Uh, and they looked into the man on Bobby's birth certificate named Gerard Fisher, but they quickly found out that he couldn't be Bobby's real father, seeing as his mother had been separated from him for longer than nine months since Bobby's birth. Then they found mm. evidence that a man named Paul Nemini, I think I'm saying that right, Paul Nemini was paying Regina a monthly child support and writing to her regularly to find out how Bobby was doing. And they also found a letter from Paul's son that explicitly stated that Paul was Bobby's father. So Paul was a communist. Paul was a communist. Here's my second question. Was Paul Jewish? Yes, Paul was 100% Jewish. Uh, making course. Bobby 100% Jewish. Paul's Paul, Bobby's father, likely. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's not conclusive. There's no DNA test, but the circumstantial evidence is pretty strong. Yeah. I, actually, is that even circumstantial evidence if he outright no, says, I'm your that's father? that's evidence. That's, that's evidence. Yeah, that's straight up evidence. Yeah. Paul uh, also worked on the Manhattan Project and has a theorem of continuum mechanics named after him. Why wasn't he involved in Bobby's life? Because I think I think it was an extramarital affair. Ah, uh, man. But he did write by him. Like, he paid child support and checked in on them regularly. Like, it's not like he just ghosted. He did somewhat write by he, them. Yeah, I mean, he, he could have done more. Um, he definitely Because Bobby more. definitely needed some kind of parent, you know, in his life because his mom well, didn't there's, do much. Well, there's, there's two sides to the seesaw. One, like, maybe if he'd been involved, Bobby wouldn't have been such an anti-Semite. But two, maybe if he'd been involved, Bobby wouldn't have been, you know, such an amazing chess player. I think we could have given up the chess. I think we definitely could have given up the chess player. I, I really don't think he gave that much to the world. Well, chess players may think otherwise. If if you think the world of chess would be worse today without Bobby Fischer right into I mean, the show, you let You said us his know. book Maybe. is a must read for chess players. It's a must so, read. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think the chess world would say, look, it, it all balances out. I personally don't care that much about chess, so I say it doesn't. Um, but never yeah, meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. They're never as good <laughs> never, as you think they're going to be. Never talk about them on a podcast. They're probably anti-Semitic. It's possible. Probably. So yeah, that's uh, the story of Bobby Fischer. Well, fantastic. It was great to learn about uh, the, the chesses, more anti-Semitism. I like how Hoover came up. Uh, I, You know, I think we've talked a lot of times about doing Hoover at this point, but I feel like we're just going to end up covering Hoover and every other story that we have. We're going to have to give him the IRWYH treatment at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's probably going to be like another multi-episode thing. We'll yeah. get there. But great. So awesome topic, Michael. Um, in that case, you know, if you're out there listening to us right now, go ahead, pull out your phone, go to whatever your favorite social media app is. If it's Twitter, you want to do at IRWYH podcast. If you're on Instagram, I really wish you hadn't. Go ahead, give us a follow on both of those. If your favorite app is Facebook, God, delete it. Get out of there. Yeah, we, we're in, we are not on Facebook. We are protesting Facebook. We would be on TikTok, but we're not pretty or cool enough. Yeah, we've got, we've got, radio's good enough. <laughs> yeah, radio's good enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah, go ahead, follow us on all those. Depending on what podcast app you use, you know, give us a like, give us a share. Um, if you know someone that listens to podcasts and maybe they're going to be looking for something new, go ahead and spread the word if you like us. If you don't like us, even, you know, spread it anyways. Maybe they'll like us or maybe you can just be mean to them if we suck that bad. 
I Really Wish You Hadn't is hosted by me, Cabin McMahon, and my co-host, Michael Bentley. We are produced by Colin Moore. Intro and outro music by Attack Story. And just remember, there's no reason to uh, bring up weird political views when you're being interviewed for being a great chess player. So as always, don't do anything Bobby Fischer did. <laughs> <laughs>